0: you're listening to the Moms Working Overtime Podcast, the community of women you've been searching to find for so long. We bring together our mamas in waiting, brand new moms, stay-at-home moms, working moms, and the moms who maybe just have a little bit more experience than the rest of us. We're all here for community support and finding ways to show up better for our families each and every day. I'm so grateful that you're here and I hope you love what you find on today's episode. Welcome back to the Moms Working Overtime Podcast. Always so happy to have you ladies here on Thursdays. It's truly, I say this every week, but I I mean it. It's truly my favorite part of what I do is not just letting you all hear me talk, but being able to bring in other incredible women from my own life that I've been able to network with and connect with and let them share their stories, their experiences, their knowledge. And today is an extra special episode. You're gonna hear all throughout just how special it is. But I have my friend Calista with me here today to talk to you all about her infertility journey. And she's going to be incredibly vulnerable with you all. This is a strong woman. Let me tell you for her to come on and be willing to do this topic. But this has been one of the most requested episodes that I've gotten in my DMs and just in my messages from you all. So, so grateful to Calista for being here and just excited for y'all to hear her story. I'm excited to be
1: here. A little nervous, but- It'll be good. It'll be good.
0: It's going to be so good. Calista, before we get started, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself, letting them get to know you?
1: Absolutely. I live in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, We're actually having a very unseasonably warm fall, which is great for us. Normally we've got like blizzards and snow by now, and it was like 45 degrees yesterday. So we're feeling really good this holiday season. I've got my husband, Lance, and then we have a little fur baby, Bogey, who is a mini Aussie doodle, and she is just takes up all of our time because she's so sassy and bougie and she's the best. I am a health and fitness coach. So I do nutrition, coaching, personal training all through zoom, which I love doing. I also get to coach some classes at a gym, which is also very fun to have that in-person aspect. But I think that's
0: kind of the main bulk of me. <laughs> Your group, the KFit crew does more fun stuff. I'm telling you, I'm about to come up there and come to something. I'm just seeing like all the craft nights and the dinners you all do together. I'm we like, do. So fun stuff. <laughs> we're
1: about to do a Christmas party and we're going to do like a Christmas themed murder mystery party.
0: Oh, my gosh. Calista, only you. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we do all the fun stuff. I love it. Y'all, Calista and I met through the health and fitness industry. You know that the industry just has brought me so many incredible women. But what we connected on first, immediately, I was like, this is this is going to be my girl, is we have the same type of dog. So mm-hmm. buggy and Asher are both Aussie doodles. But the funny thing that I always tell people, because we got heat for this whenever we picked him, like which makes me mad at the breeder. But I didn't know. I was really young. When I got Asher, I, I think I was like 22 or 23 years old. So they're Aussie doodles. And when you look at Aussie doodles, typically people seek out that marbling, all the different colors, like you, they want, you know, tri-color, bi-color Aussie doodles. Yep. We both have solid black <laughs> Aussie solid doodles black. and they come with all the sass, but they're absolutely wonderful. But that's what Calista and I bonded on first. I'll never forget that first conversation where I was like, wait, the picture of your dog looks exactly like mine. <laughs> they're like twins. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, as we go into this episode, I'm going to start it no different. I have a question that I ask every single mama when she comes on to be interviewed by me. And this is my reassurance for you. This is my reassurance for anyone who's listening, who's on a fertility journey, that the motherhood journey starts the exact moment that we as women decide that we want to pursue this life of children, this life of being a mom. And as soon as you make that decision, I have chills because I know I know the moment I felt it. I know that you feel it. I have friends right now that are going through this journey just like you are physically, mentally, spiritually. It immediately consumes you. It becomes this entire new journey that you're on. And so I want to ask you, just like I ask anyone else, who were you before this motherhood journey started? And of course, it has not been what you expected it would be. But how has it just started to transform you already?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good question. It's a tough one to like think back before in the before time, really. And I think I'm a pretty, I like to think I'm the same, same person, but with just some different perspectives almost. I've always been a faith filled person. Um, and I used to think I had a really deep faith until I went through infertility and I'm still going through it. And the, the hills and the valleys that you experience, and it's way more valleys than it is hills and there were a lot of times where i was very angry with god there were spots where i like never thought i would be or i would feel and now it's gotten you know kind of once you work through that and you find people to talk with and all of that my faith is definitely stronger in a way that i never expected that it could even be so that's one huge way one huge thing that has changed i guess and another i think is just your your perspective on your own self, and not that. I keep thinking like I used to be selfish, but I try not to be selfish. First. <laughs> I selfless, we try to be selfless. But when it's only you, you only have to think about yourself. That's mm-hmm. it. Your goals, your health, your fitness. But as soon as you decide to have a child or even adopt a child, all of a sudden your whole life is now focused on someone else. And so it's like all of your goals and all of your things that you're doing in life are now one hundred percent focused on something completely other than you. And you kind of forget, you know who you are, but you forget that you're important as well. And everything has now shifted that perspective into someone else.
0: Absolutely. I just talked on uh, a pep talk that I did recently about how much time is available to you before you step into this chapter of life. And you don't have to think about wasting time. Does it make you feel guilty because it doesn't feel like you're really giving it up to anything? But then as you transform and you go through this, you overthink really – you overanalyze everything you do, like you said, everything you put in your body, how you move your body, how you spend your time. It all of a sudden isn't just about you. It's okay to say we were selfish. I was selfish. <laughs> <laughs> it was a totally different way that I'll I went about all my all day. day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that a lot of that, those things, like you said, they provide perspective, but they also prepare us for what's to come. And you, five years ago, had no idea that this is what's to come. But do you feel like? that person, that those experiences prepared you for where you're at now?
1: Mm. Yes.
0: I have to think about that a little bit. Everything that you went through. Like I look back at things I went through before that had nothing to do with motherhood, nothing to do with fertility. And I just look back at those challenges and, and the way that I grew from different things and the way that my life took a right turn where I expected a left turn. And I'm like, it makes sense now. Are there things in your life that you look back and you're like, okay, that makes sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. There's all like, they're all little nuggets of little small things that you're like, oh, I get that now. Mm -hmm. I understand why that had to happen or why this had to happen or why we went through that. Or even like, I would say like with Lance and I, our communication skills, we used to think we were really good at communicating. And now we're like really good (laughs) at communicating. And so you start to realize all those little, little things that had happened, whether it's challenges or happy things or good things and why they had to happen the way they did to lead up
0: to this point. I can't wait to dive into all that with you and Lance, because I know that's a huge piece of it. You, as women, we kind of go through this alone, but you have to go through it as a partnership. And I know we're going to talk about all that. Okay. Let's, let's start at the beginning. Cause we're going to, we'll get ahead of ourselves really easily. <laughs> yeah. I know we can get chatty when did you and Lance decide that you wanted to try for children and what did the start of that journey look like for you
1: yes so we fall of 21 we decided we were going to start trying that spring so we had a little bit of time but that's when I decided to go off of birth control and I had been on birth control for like 60 15 like a long 15 16
0: years like Yeah, long- like many of us yes
1: yes exactly and so I was like maybe we should figure that out. Like see what life is like without birth control. And so that in itself was a huge whirlwind. So if you are on that train or currently on it or thinking about kids and on it, that's something to really think about right away is when to get off that and how to start regulating your cycles early on. So that was a huge benefit that I did that just because they weren't regular for a long while. And it took a while to kind of figure everything out. We officially started trying in the spring. So probably six, seven months later, and then we Trying to remember. So I think that next fall was when I was like, something feels not quite right. However, they have this rule with infertility,
0: which is the stupidest rule in my <laughs> And I'm so glad that you talk about this because I know <laughs> we've talked about this.
1: Yes. Um, but you're supposed to wait a year. So you're supposed to try for a year. If you're unsuccessful, then you can go into infertility. But I, I had a gut feeling and I was like, I just, we're both really healthy. We've never had any issues with our family. Like things should be normal. So I actually had made an appointment and because of that rule, so that fall I had an appointment and because of that rule, I chickened out and got nervous and felt like I was going to get turned away. And I rescheduled it for February. And instead of going to that appointment, we, I started doing testing on my own. So I started seeing an acupuncturist and I went to a naturopathic doctor and had my hormone labs ran. Between both of them and like all of our conversations, they were like, hey, make sure you get your husband tested as well. Um, so he went to his doctor and requested a sperm sample. So we did all of that before even going to infertility, which was kind of
0: nice to have that insight beforehand to kind of know what we were walking into. Can but- you help, I'm not to interrupt you, I get this question a lot. When someone wants to advocate for themselves and just start that journey, start that testing, how do they even go about that? Because I know there's going to be a woman who's like, okay, I'd love to take initiative, but where do you even begin? Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I would search out a naturopathic doctor in your area. A normal doctor very uncommonly will run hormone labs. It's very atypical and they might run one or two, but they're not going to run an entire panel of what you need to see for your own fertility health between your thyroid and your adrenals and your cortisol levels and all of those different aspects; those are all really, really important to see. Your estrogen, your progesterone, mm-hmm. all of that is so important, and normal doctors don't run them. Mm-hmm. So I searched out a naturopathic doctor, and then I had actually heard from a friend that she did acupuncture for fertility, and she gave me the same gal she went to, and so I met with her, and she is just brilliant beyond brilliant, and had so much good insight for me. So you can even do like a quick Google search of like fertility acupuncturist in your area as well. So those are the two places that I started. And then for men, my husband literally just went to his primary care doctor and asked specifically for a sperm sample to be ran. And he, some primaries don't necessarily know how to read those. Like his doctor was like, here's your testing, but this is like kind of what it says.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's just comparing it to a textbook probably.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So we, my naturopath was actually able to read his. Oh, that's great. Which was great, but you can also see specifically like a urologist
0: who will be able to read that a little bit better as well. So good to know. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, I I stopped your flow, but I know the questions that will end up in my DMs, so I I like to ask those. Oh, I will. I can go on a tangent. So feel free to interrupt (laughs)
1: anytime. (laughs) So once we kind of got all of that testing back based off of my husband's sample both my acupuncturist and my naturopath were like yep yeah, you're going to you're going to need to go to infertility for that we struggle with really low sperm motility so we've got great sperm they just don't go anywhere <laughs> <laughs> and so then i was kicking myself cuz at this point it was november mm-hmm. and we had to wait because there weren't any openings with infertility until our next appointment in february so then I was like, well, that's great. So now we've just knocked like four more months out that we can't even try because it's not going to happen naturally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So then we went to our first appointment at infertility in February, did all the same shebang of testings, labs, hormones, another sperm sample for women. They do a hysteroscopy as well as a saline sonogram. So all of them are, um, vaginal ultrasounds. So mm-hmm. in- internally, which are lovely.
0: You just push all pride aside at this point. It's just (laughs) Just the start of this journey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Really comfortable with everybody. Just seeing (laughs) both of those, you go through all of that. And once they get all of that testing back and all of that takes a good chunk of time, like I think um, almost a month and a half to two months is how long it took for us to figure out like what our next steps were. And for us, we went straight to IVF. We didn't even have the option of like a medicated cycle or IUIs or anything like that we went right past it all straight mm-hmm. into
0: but time is just your enemy through that entire process
1: it is it's really frustrating because you want everything like you've already been trying so long and you're already feeling so defeated and then they're like okay now let's wait and wait
0: and wait and wait and wait some more. <laughs> and, and even for the women that are new to this journey, because it's hard from the start, Calista and I joke about this in conversations that we have about fertility that they make it sound so easy. Your entire life and going through health classes and you know everything that you think about this experience, you think, oh my goodness, I have to be so careful. It's very easy to get pregnant. And yeah. then- <laughs> it's disheartening. And, and for any woman listening, you could be on month two. And I just want to validate you that when you take that test and it says negative, it's valid for you to feel like your soul was just crushed as much as it will be hard as this journey goes on throughout. But the hardest part is time because with every letdown, and then I know, especially going through the infertility treatments, it's always, well, it didn't work this time. See you again in three, four weeks. See you again in six to eight weeks. And time is your greatest enemy. But what Calista talked about is really important that I want to point out as women, we are designed from day one, very, very specifically for this journey, for this experience. And you have something powerful called intuition. And that intuition isn't just for when you hold that baby in your arms. That intuition is there from the start for a reason. And if you feel like it's time to take initiative, it's time to get some testing done. It's time to get some answers. Go do it. Like Calista said, what's the worst thing they can say is it's too soon. It's too early. Okay, cool. You got an answer. You tried. Go seek out something natural path. Go see out acupuncture, go seek out some other answers. But that intuition is there for a reason. And there's very few instances I talk to women where the intuition is is wrong about whatever it is that they're worried about. So my advice to you listening would be to take action.
1: And even if you go to the clinic and it's prior to a year, they can still run all of those tests. And if for some reason, all of those tests come back negative, they might say, Hey, try for a few more months and see if, if it happens for you and try acupuncture and try this. And then in a few months, it still doesn't happen. And then it might be unexplained infertility, which is just as frustrating as having an actual diagnosis of anything, but at least you've got something to focus on and something to get answers with versus just being like, well, I don't know why it's not working mm-hmm. no clue. Cause that's just even more frustrating than anything.
0: Yeah. You wake up every single day and you think about it every single day. It's all consuming. Calista, something I I know a lot of women are worried about that you're a great resource for is they think about the insurance and the cost. And I also think that that's a fear that is almost just something they think that exists before they even really look into it or know the facts. So what did you and Lance find when it came to costs and insurance and everything like that?
1: Yes. So we had, I had no idea. I just assumed I was about to spend my entire life savings on
0: it. Another mortgage.
1: Yep. Well, it'll be (laughs) fine. So we called. I called our insurance company. Um, and we ended up finding out that we had, um, progeny coverage, which is, I didn't know what it was. I like talked to somebody, learned about it and was like, okay, cool. That sounds like really great for insurance. That's kind of odd. (laughs) And then I happened to be listening to a podcast, like the next couple of days and learned that progeny is only like five or six years old. They're a brand new little baby infertility. Um, insurance company and only like really big, more major corporations are carrying them. Like I know Target carries them. I think Amazon does. And there's a couple other, there's like a hundred some that carry it. So it's still really small and like in its infancy of insurance, Mm -hmm. but it is fabulous in insurance coverage. So if you, I've known a lot of women I've talked with who have actually switched jobs to be able to get this type of insurance coverage, I would look into that. And even just talking with your insurance company to see what they cover, what isn't covered and looking into other options too. Like there are, I've recently been hearing about, I think it's called CNY Fertility. I believe it's in New York, I think. Um, And they provide lower cost options for IVF. And there are also tons of nonprofit organizations that offer grants and offer scholarship type things as well that you can look into if you're willing to share your story and be okay with asking for the help. So don't be afraid to look into those as well. But a lot of companies are really starting to up their insurance game. I was actually looking it up a couple of weeks ago to see like what else. And I've, there are so many more companies now that are starting to carry so much better coverage. It's just a matter of actually looking into it to see. I actually had a coworker. I used to work at Starbucks back in the day. And I had a coworker who started working there part-time because at part-time you get full benefits and they yes. have phenomenal coverage for both adoption and IVF.
0: That's an amazing thing about you know I gosh who did the podcast there um the original founder of Starbucks did a podcast mm-hmm. that I had listened to and he talked about that's one of the most important things that he put in place for working mothers is that at part time he wanted to offer coverage and I've always thought of that you know when you go to spend like $5 on your coffee and I feel a little <laughs> guilty I'm like I am supporting a company <laughs> that supports insurance, you know, for people that want to work part time. Uh, Callista, it makes me feel better. I think that's great. I think that's great. <laughs> You know, I do like to know the story, the mission behind things, but yeah, that's, that's great to know. And just so you all know, per usual, I'm going to drop everything in the podcast description. So don't feel like you need to scramble to go back and write that down or figure out what Calista was talking about. She's going to give me those resources so I can throw those in the, in the description, but don't be afraid to do your research, ask questions, reach out to her, reach out to other people going through this journey and just know your options. Cause sometimes it can be very intimidating and it is a very costly experience. However, there, there are options. There are opportunities there. So you started to hint at the different procedures that they do, the different testing, especially that you and Lance did. Is there anything else, or can you share a little bit more about what someone can expect to experience when they start this journey? Because there's so many things, how can a woman prepare herself for what's to come? Ooh,
1: I did a lot of research. I am like, I need to know all the things before they happen. And so I did a lot of research. Um I read a lot of books. And I I didn't really talk with many people right off the bat. I mostly did just like behind the scenes researching mm-hmm. just to know what I was getting myself into. But a lot of the procedures for women are all vaginal. So just get really comfy with like everybody <laughs> seeing your lady bits cuz it's <laughs> just <laughs> it just is. They don't care. They see it every single day. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else. Lots of blood tests. You'll get really used to needles. If you're afraid of them, you won't be for long. You'll get really really familiar with needles. (laughs) But I think that the best you can do is to find ways to make yourself more comfortable and being okay advocating for yourself with those. Everybody that's at my clinic is female, but I know personally, I don't think I would have been super comfortable with like a male ultrasound tech. But I know that there are plenty of males in the field as well. So if that's something that you need to advocate for yourself with, do it. Be okay with that. And just do your research so you know kind of what you're you're getting into and keep asking. I found that at our clinic, we we were kind of given information on like a need to know basis. And I wanted more information. I was like, I want to know all the ifs, ands, or buts, or what I should expect, what I shouldn't expect. I want all the information. And they were just like, here's what you need to know like we'll chat if something different happens. And so I did all the research. I looked for every resource I could find. Like I said, I've got like a thousand different books that I could give you. But I think that's kind of, kind of the
0: main, main pieces. Is, is to do your research and advocate for yourself. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't leave questions unasked or feel nervous or upset about the way that something's happening and not say something. I think that's just a good lesson heading into motherhood in general is speak up, advocate for yourself there. And obviously, it's not just you going through this. Lance is going through this on his own and probably feeling a little bit more helpless. I I just feel like it's hard on their end as well, especially as you guys are going through all this testing, getting information back, finding out where there may be the obstacles. Mm -hmm. I know you guys have strategies you use now that have strengthened your marriage, but at the beginning, how did you guys start to navigate those answers that you received when it came to your relationship? So right
1: off the back, we right off the bat we decided that no matter what the testing came back with, like this was our problem to solve, not my problem, not his problem. It wasn't one or the other of us that was causing an issue. It was the both of us and it's our problem to solve together, which was really helpful because either either way, as soon as you get back any any kind of information, you just automatically take it upon yourself as like, oh my gosh, it's me. Mm -hmm. And so being able to support each other. And we both had, like I said, we started with um, sperm motility, but then we also, upon testing found that I had a uterine septum. Um, So I was going to need surgery to remove that. So we both ended up kind of having a play in the game, but when both of those came back, it was, it wasn't even a question of like, well, what are you going to do about it? Or how are you going to fix that? It was always conversations that we had together of what we felt would be best for us and our relationship and our marriage and our family going forward. So I think set, setting that boundary in place right away was really, really helpful. And I, the men do get forgot about a lot because it's always the woman's body who has to go through all of the the treatments and all of the things, but the guys, man, they or your our partner as well, but they, they love you so much. And to watch you have to do all the things and they are so helpless. It is mm-hmm. so hard on them. So really make sure you're supporting your your spouse as well. And it might feel strange, but they are they are going through it just as much as you are. And even if they like Lance is a, he keeps his emotions to himself. <laughs> and so he's not outward with those. But when you, you know, when you've got your spouse, you can feel when they're hurting, you can feel when they're struggling. So make sure that you give them some love as well.
0: And just some space to be upset and struggling too, because mm-hmm. as women, I know sometimes we, you know, when we're struggling, we want to make it about us, which is fair in most instances. Instances, uh-huh. but I, I think that's a valid point, it, especially in in the early stages of this journey, where it does seem so much about us and taking the pregnancy tests and and getting all the the tests done. Is there in this too, and they they feel just as much pressure. Yeah. Now that you guys have been on this journey for a while, what are some strategies or different things that you do in your relationship just to keep your marriage strong and keep each other's spirits up and your confidence and your hope there? What are things that you all do?
1: Yeah, we pray together quite a bit. We also do, we try to take date nights or date days, or we actually oddly do a lot of like day dates, not really date nights. Which I love. Um, yeah. Yeah. We like the daytime, I guess.
0: (laughs) You can get an early bedtime then still. Yeah,
1: exactly. I love that. (laughs) But we do a lot of those. And sometimes we try to do them a little bit more spontaneously as well, just so they feel a little bit more organic. But during those, we don't talk about our infertility journey. Like we might talk about our future family, or we might talk about different things like that. But we try to avoid like in the moment, like Oh, I had my my shots this morning. Don't worry, I got those done. Or how are you feeling today? Like we kind of try to avoid that and just give ourselves a little bit of of normalcy and talk about other things because it is it tends to be all consuming and it's all you think about, it's all you talk about. And then you forget that you also have a job and you also have family and you also have other aspects of life or things you like mm-hmm. to do. So we try to keep keep that main conversation out for that little short day date. And we've also tried to take trips, which at first was really, really hard. We like to travel quite a bit, but when you're trying to schedule everything around all of your treatments and your testing and all of that, mm-hmm. trying to schedule in even like a long weekend for a vacation can be really tough, but we made that a priority as just a way to get away and breathe for a while. Mm-hmm. And it is the the best thing that you can
0: do. I love that. Are those things, do you feel like your relationship has grown significantly or changed since before your fertility journey or are those things that you guys mostly made a priority before as well? Do you feel like it's shifted? A little bit. We we did all those things before,
1: but I think they have so much more meaning now.
0: Mm -hmm. Like you're on the same page. It's a deeper connection. Yes. I love Mm -hmm. it. Now, if we just isolate you and your experience and your growth, what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned or the biggest way that you've grown through this journey so far, because how, how far, how long has it been in total Calista from the moment you started trying two years, two years, what do you feel like is the biggest way you've grown in the past two years? I think probably I have learned that I
1: definitely need connection I need people I'm very much a person that will like I'll put my head down and I'll get through it like if it's a tough thing if I just need to like grind it out get through it whatever it might be I will get it done and that's how I approached this at first as well I was like that's fine I'll do the testing I'll do the shots I'll get it done no big deal and after our and I did that for a while for the first like six months and then our first we've done three retrievals and our first one failed completely and after that I was like I Mm -hmm. I can't do this on my own anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started talking out a little bit more about our journey and seeking out people who have been through it and who understand and who could give me their perspective and give me their stories and just kind of have that community. It's just like any other kind of goal, right? Even if you're on a weight loss goal, like it's better when you're doing it with other people and it's the same kind of concept. And I'm doing it with my husband. Yes, we are. But he doesn't fully understand. He doesn't fully get what my body is going through. Mm -hmm. So to be able to have someone to talk with and connect with ended up being so much more beneficial than I could have ever imagined or even realized. Like it's definitely not something that I could just put my head down and grind
0: through. Because one thing that I know that you talked about Yes, he's in this with you, and he's been a great support, great partner. I know the hormone fluctuations specifically have been an entire roller coaster themselves. Which, as much as Lance loves you, he can empathize. He just can't relate as as closely to that experience, and that's something. It's nice to have other women who have been through that.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. The hormones are a whole whole other beast that whew, take a lot of. <laughs> a lot of preparation for that is for sure but yes i didn't realize how much i would be affected by all the different types of hormones and i think the the hardest one actually for me was they the first thing they do is put you back on birth control right so i went off of it and was like woohoo i'm regulated i'm ready to go And then when you go to the clinic and it depends on, on your clinic, we have a smaller clinic here in Fargo, so they do what's called batch cycling. So they put all of their women going through the, through IVF in the same cycle. So to do that and control your cycle, they put you on birth control. Most clinics do this, which was news to me. I didn't know that was about to happen,
0: but (laughs) you're like, heck no, I just worked so hard to get off
1: of this. I did. And I, and I even argued it and tried to like get out of it. And that was not the option. Tried really hard to advocate for myself. It was not a choice I could have, but that was the hardest one for me, especially because it was a different type of birth control that I'd been on for like sixteen bajillion years, and those were the hardest hormone fluctuations. Was every time I had to go back on birth control, and I know that some women really struggle with like Clomid is one. I've never been on Clomid, but I know a lot of women struggle with Clomid. Estrogen is one I've been on quite a bit, and that one is made me a very angry person, and I. Do not. <laughs> I am not an angry person at all. And I was an angry, angry human, (laughs) a little
0: bit of an alter ego for a little bit. It
1: was, it was, but yeah, it, your partner definitely gets put through the ringer, but you start to learn, like, like I said, we've been through three retrievals at this point. So I've been on these medications and hormones multiple times. Mm -hmm. So even after the first and the second one, I was really prepared for the third time through to be, to understand like, okay, these are not how I'm feeling right now is not real life. Like these are just the hormones, hormones talking. And even, Mm -hmm. even last week, he'll be like, okay, so is this the estrogen talking? Do we think, (laughs) do we think this is estrogen? And I'll be like, yes, it is. God love
0: it. But also the humility on your end to be like, yes. Okay. It's not, it's not me. It's not not me. (laughs) (laughs) But But to connect uh, with other women that get that, I think is so important. And I have to ask you because I love seeing you open up about your journey. I think it's so powerful. I think it not only is becomes a resource for you, but it connects with so many other women that aren't saying anything yet. And I have a good friend going through infertility right now and we had a conversation and she's like, I'm considering opening up. But I'm nervous to expose myself to be vulnerable and to suddenly be subject to all the questions like, are you pregnant yet? Are you pregnant yet? What's what's happening? What are they doing? So she's on the fence looking back and thinking about when it was just you and you were holding it all inside versus when you opened up. Would you open up sooner? What's it been like since you opened up? What would you say to that?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I. I think I would have opened up just a little bit sooner. I, I waited until after our first retrieval failed to kind of start talking about it, but I wish I would have known before, or I wish I would have done it beforehand. I would have gotten through all of my like testing and all of that and had like a game plan of knowing like what our next steps are. And then I would have opened up because I would have been able to hear all of the things that I should have been expecting and should not have been expecting or what to look for or things that could have helped me have a better retrieval or have just a better cycle or better progress or better outcomes or what other people did. And even just having that community of support when it did fail and knowing that that's a normal thing. And that is an expectation of women who are in their thirties and that getting even one embryo is like a huge win. Like I didn't know that nobody told me that. And so no, being able to have that ahead of time so that I didn't feel so defeated and so broken and so terrible about it would have been a huge benefit and I would say that the amount of support that I got with opening up was so much more superior to like I don't think I've had anybody say anything bad I haven't had really any like weird questions I guess um (laughs) I was like mentally prepared for a lot of like strange things to happen. And if anything, what I mostly got was people being like, girl, I've been there. Like we did this a few years ago or we were here or I've done this or this is my story. And I was like, I've known you for 10 years and I had no idea you went through that.
0: I have chills. I have chills right now.
1: I was like, how do I, and to know like what I've been struggling with and how much pain I was in and to know that the same person on the other end that I had known at the time they were going through it and what they were silently struggling with. Like broke my heart and made me so upset that
0: other women. I seriously have ch- all over my body have <laughs> chills right now talking
1: about it because
0: that's the thing. Women are carrying this alone. Mm-hmm. It's so hard, and and they're carrying it alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, yeah. for everyone that's listening, when Callista I can't get the chills to go away. I'm going to need a blanket. Recording um, when Calista opened up about her IVF journey. I For those of you that don't know, by the way, you can send me a DM if you're just hearing this for the first time. Every single night before bed, I have a list. And this list, it has women on it who are waiting for their opportunity, for their experience of motherhood and holding their baby in their arms. And the women on this list stay on this list. (laughs) I'm going to cry. Until that baby is in their arms. And I told Callista whenever she opened up about her journey, I was like, girl, you're going on my list. And I can't wait to take you off. I cannot wait to cross you off. <laughs> and through our conversations, we're both going to cry. Through our conversations and starting the Moms Working Overtime podcast, which has all happened since just in the middle of all of this, starting Moms Working Overtime podcast, starting the Moms Working Overtime community, Kalista sent me a message. I'm mad at you for this message, but I also think it was a God thing. And she said, I can't wait to join MWO. And I remember opening the message, Kalista. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mom's working overtime is for anyone the moment they decide they're pursuing motherhood. And she was like, I can't wait to join the Facebook group. I'm like, you get in the Facebook group right now. But what I didn't realize is that in that moment, Kalista became member number 500 in the Facebook group. And I don't know why that hit me so hard, but I was like, Oh, that was so monumental. That was so on purpose. And I just keep thinking, I'm manifesting the day (laughs) that I look at my list and I cross you the heck off. And I, it's, it's gonna make. I can't wait to get you off that list either. (laughs) Can't wait to be off the list. (laughs) I'll keep praying for you and your sweet baby. But I just think that that's what community does. It allows people to come in and support you. It allows you to not feel so alone. So if you're someone that's listening, who's struggling with fertility, who's feeling those letdowns of pregnancy tests, maybe you're in those early stages or you've started IVF or you've been on this IVF journey for a while and you don't want to open up on your social media because not everyone feels compelled to do that. And that's okay. Message Callista; She's amazing. I'll share my friend with you. Okay. Don't take too much <laughs> of her, but I will share my friend with you. And I know that her DMS are open. If you're not ready to tell the world, you can tell someone that is a safe space that you know, it's a little bit of a stranger, a little separated from maybe your day-to-day life that you can just at least confide in. I think that there is a lot of power in that community. So her Mm -hmm. Instagram handle will be in the description as well. And I know that she'll be amazing to talk to. I
1: would, I would love, 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 love to talk with you and be able to support you. And even if you just need to vent or share your journey or ask about like, what do I expect with this? Or what does this look like? I am so happy to chat with you. Cause I didn't have anybody to chat with in the very beginning and I would love to be able to be that person for you. Please reach out. Don't do it alone
0: don't do it alone. You're never alone. Never, ever alone. The second that you decide you're pursuing motherhood, you're in this with every single other person. So, and if you want to get on my list, you send me a TM. <laughs> I'll put you on my list. Okay. I have two lists. That's the, that's the better of the two. You don't want to be on my, you know, my bad list. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> yeah. If you, if you do
1: decide to open up on your social media or share with a group of people, know that you can set your boundaries of what you do and don't want to share. So like, for example, I shared about all of our retrievals and all of our things leading up until now. So right now we are moving into our transfer season. And at this point I've stopped sharing because we decided of all the things that have kind of been the things that get stolen from you in your motherhood journey, like the Mm -hmm. excitement of getting to tell people and all of that. We still wanted to, to have that excitement of getting to tell people when we are, when we get to be pregnant. So you can, you can decide what you do and don't, Want to share, it and to what extent it doesn't have to be like your entire life story every single day.
0: Such a good point. Such a good point, Callista. I'm gonna ball my eyes out whenever I see your announcement. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll be right there with you. A whole box of tissues, ready to go. <laughs> now, I have a few more questions that I know have been in my DMs. Things that people have asked. What are some things that going into this journey you didn't expect? So if someone is heading into IVF, is there anything that was totally unexpected or just more challenging than you were anticipated that you could almost forewarn them about?
1: Yes. I think the mental struggle and the emotional struggle, um, I did not, I, I like to think that I'm a pretty emotionally strong person until we were told we had to do IVF and I like lost my marbles. And I, I was not prepared for that in the slightest. They give you like a little packet when you start with, with the clinic um, with like some resources and some things and some counselors. And they're like, here, in case you want to talk to anybody, but they don't put a huge emphasis on it. So I was like, Oh, I'll probably be fine. No big deal. And then once again, after that first retrieval failed, I was like, I, I need more. I'm Mm not okay with this. And so I started seeing a counselor weekly actually, and it was one of the best decisions I think I've made the whole time through being able to have someone to, especially going through all of your hormone ups and downs and not being able to like regulate what is your actual thoughts and what is your actual feelings versus everything being heightened by excessive hormones and all of that. Being able to say the things that are happening in your brain out loud to someone without judgment and without them, without having fear of how they're going to respond or what they're going to say, or try to give you advice was, is the best. So, Mm -hmm. I would say before you've even like, make that one of your top priorities, like find someone, a counselor or a therapist that you can start talking with right away is one of a huge thing. Cause I did not expect the
0: mental toll it would take. Someone to talk to, someone to validate you, and also to give you strategies. Cause, and I've done counseling, I think everyone should do counseling. I, I think at some point in their life, everyone should do counseling. But one of the things that I don't think people realize about counseling is that they teach you strategies. So you you don't just go in to talk. It's not just unloading. Now, that's important. It's important to be able to go in and unload. However, you also leave with something. You do leave with strategies. You you do leave with you know those different ways to piece through what you're thinking and work through that. So I think it's a great recommendation, really, for anyone that's going through anything challenging at any point you know, waiting for motherhood or in the trenches of it for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's even a, i looked it up cause I'd heard it before, but there's a statistic about the stress level of infertility being comparable to the stress level of being diagnosed with cancer. And that 40% of the women who are diagnosed with infertility will also be diagnosed with depression and or anxiety.
0: I believe it. 40%. And that's why it, you have to advocate for yourself and seek out resources and and know that that's okay. That does not make you yes. weak. That makes you strong. Exactly. <laughs> Acknowledging it and getting help makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. And you
1: will feel so much better off after that. Yeah,
0: for sure. Let's, let's flip the coin over because I want you to be brutally honest in this part of the segment, like brutally honest. This is where you're going to make the most impact. One of the things that I find really powerful about an episode like this is just the understanding and awareness that can be created for as a favor for people that are going through IVF for the men and women, right? For, for these partnerships that are going through IVF, there could be a mom listening or a sister, a friend, a coworker that has someone they love battling infertility. And because of you sharing your story, your experiences, perspective, they can just approach that person better. They can show up better for that person. What tips would you give for someone who's supporting their loved one going through IVF and just the way that they approach it, the things that they, you know, they, they want to give a gift or do something thoughtful, even just the things they say, I want you to unload here because I think this could be so, so beneficial.
1: (laughs) All right, buckle up. Let's go. (laughs) First and foremost, um, infertility treatments and or IVF are not exciting. That was one of the huge things that I heard over and over. Like, we're actually starting IVF treatments. Oh, that's so exciting. It's not. It's really not <laughs> exciting, actually. But I think a lot of people just don't know how to respond. They don't fully mm-hmm. understand what it is. And and in their brain, they think, oh, you, so you've been struggling to get pregnant. So here's an opportunity for you to get pregnant. And that in itself is exciting. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. But when you're sitting in the trenches of it, someone telling you that it's exciting to have to, to do this to your body just to have a baby or like a lot of women get to get pregnant for free, for mm-hmm. free. And here we are paying out thousands and thousands of dollars just to get pregnant. And that's not even including the pregnancy, right? Mm -hmm. So just being careful with how I've found that the best way to kind of approach someone who's opened up and said that they're going through any kind of infertility treatment is by asking questions. More often than not, we just want to talk about it and be able to like say our thoughts about it or say how we're actually feeling. And if we don't want to talk about it, we'll just tell you, hey, I don't really feel like talking about it right now. Mm -hmm. But the more you ask questions, the more they will be able to open up however they feel necessary versus you giving blanket statements like, well, have you tried this? Or did you do this? Or just relax, it'll happen for you. No, usually it Mm -hmm. won't. But the more, the statements are usually a lot harder to try to handle and try to navigate than if you just ask questions. So that would be number one, I would say, kind of around conversations and how you approach that.
0: I know Polista, that- I want to share something really quickly on on that point number one. Hold on to your next points. Don't forget, because I, I want to hear <laughs> all of them. I was listening to a podcast once. My people here know that I rave about Ed Milet. He's just it's one of my favorite podcasts. But he did a podcast once. It's probably been four or five months ago, and he said, people. Make statements like that, blanket statements of, have you tried this? Or, you know, oh, awesome. This is going to be, this is going to get you your baby. They make statements like that because when you share your pain with someone, that person has to sit in your pain with you and that's really uncomfortable. And in order for them to get themselves out of that pain with you, they want to fix it. So they make fix it statements like, you know, this is going to be your answer or it's going to be fine or, hey, go do this and it's, it's all going to go away it makes the other person or maybe we are that person it makes you feel better cuz you don't want to sit in that pain with this person it's uncomfortable and those conversations about ivf can be uncomfortable for someone that doesn't understand the process but what i took away from that convers or that podcast with ed is sometimes you just need to sit in someone's pain with them and understand it and ask those questions without trying to fix it or make it this big positive thing because it's not it's earth shattering in your, like in your world, things are falling apart. And I just want to, as soon as you said that, I thought of his words on that podcast of just stop trying to fix it and just sit in their pain.
1: Yes, exactly. That is so good. That is gold. Exactly. 100%. Cause that was even like, my next point is just, just listen. Like if they want to talk, just be there and just let them go and let it, let them know that they're okay to have their feelings about it without any judgment from you. Cause that's even sometimes a fear of like, when you're, when you're in those trenches of pain and you've got all these thoughts and and fears, and the minute you say a fear, someone tries to fix it, or someone tries to tell you that's not going to happen. It just invalidates your pain and invalidates your fear. That is very realistic fear because even with IVF, it doesn't guarantee a pregnancy. It doesn't guarantee a baby, right? So just being there to allow your, your person to have their feelings and have their fears and, and say, I'm here to listen without judgment. And And just
0: be here. I don't even Mm -hmm. just say anything if you don't want to, but you just go. Yeah, I love it. What about gifts? If they wanted to do something or leave something for the person that they love, what are some things that you've received or just had through this journey that you cherish? Ooh,
1: cozy socks is sounds kind of like really simple, but their comfort and there's a phrase that's "warm feet, warm uterus." It's actually like a holistic medicine thing that Oh, I love that. When your feet are cold, your uterus is cold and a cold uterus is not great for embryos or follicles or anything like that. So, <laughs> keeping your feet warm so that it actually serves a purpose not just like, oh, they're cute and comfy and cozy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love that so much. Yes. That's a good one. There is I bought it for myself, but there is um a site called I think it's called my vitro, but it literally looks like a fishing tackle box, but it's a place to store all of your meds. Cause you get so many and it gets really mm-hmm. overwhelming. So having a place to organize them is really helpful, So that would be a really great gift. If you know someone who's just starting, let's see what else. And honestly, any kind of journal or devotional would be really, really helpful. I like lived and breathed on those on a daily basis. So anything like that, a place to just put your thoughts and feelings, and honestly, your time, I think that your time is probably one of the best things that you could gift someone Amen. Um, because you feel like a burden having to put your pain on someone else. And more often, if someone asks you like, Hey, how are you doing? And you you'll probably just be like, we're fine. We're doing okay. Unless you actually say, I want to sit down with you and I actually want to hear how you're doing. And I want you to tell me the truth. So being able to give someone 20, 30 minutes or meeting them for lunch or something to just Give them your time is a really huge gift as well.
0: Love it. Let's build off of the devotionals and the book question because I know we talked about this. <laughs> what resources or books or podcasts have you personally found through this journey that just give you that strength and patience, mm-hmm. which is a huge one? Um, just faith through this entire th- this entire process.
1: Yes, there's one devotional it's upstairs uh but it's called waiting and hope it's a wonderful wonderful devotional that i've been going through um it has been really really helpful she also has an instagram literally called waiting and hope that is really interesting and helpful there is a 31 days of infertility through prayer book that i really liked that lance and i did together there's a book called the ivf dad which I got from Lance and was really helpful. And I actually read it as well because I wanted to like understand. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that was so helpful. It was such a good insight, especially if your spouse doesn't really share a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a really good insight into like what might actually be happening in their brain. It's
0: such a great point.
1: Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, especially with IVF, right? So men have a piece in, in it, right? They have to give the sperm sample. But it's like under the most stressful of situations. Like, here you go. Don't mm-hmm. mess it up. Your wife is having her eggs retrieved right now. And if you mess this up, this whole thing is a wash. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the most stressful, probably, however, I don't know how long it takes. <laughs> I don't know. But like for them to go through that too, like. For sure. People think like, oh, they just, they don't have to really do much. But like, it's a stressful situation. So it's really interesting to be able to kind of hear the other side of it. So I that one, Um, it starts with the egg It's also really, really good in general for fertility health. It talks about like your egg health and ways that you can improve your fertility through holistic things like proper eating and
0: proper nutrition and health and that kind of thing. So that one is really beneficial as well. And I will link everything. I will list everything she talks about in the podcast description so that you all can check these out and just utilize these resources, reference back to them. Now, Calista, first of all, you've talked about giving time. You've given me so much of your time, which I don't take for granted. I just love you to the moon for all the time you've given me to do this. (laughs) However, I want to pull it all together. I know that you are a busy gal and you've got a lot to do today. But what is one message that you would leave with the MWO community today for that mama in waiting that maybe feels alone or is just struggling through this journey, what message would you give her?
1: Okay. I have a couple of thoughts. One is to not struggle alone as much as you feel alone. And you, there will still be times where you will feel alone, even though you might be surrounded by all the women, you might be filled with so much love and you might still feel lonely. Use those moments to not feel alone, find someone to talk to find someone to support you. Even if it's one person, it doesn't have to be a lot. If you can find, it could be me, it could be Elena, it could be anybody that you could just say, I'm struggling in this moment for them to be able to pray for you or be able to Mm -hmm. give you some words of encouragement to just keep going. Just don't do it alone. As much as we feel like we want it to be a secret, it's a, it's not a shameful thing. I know that for a long time, a lot of women feel a lot of shame with it because Mm -hmm. I think it just comes with the territory of it, but it's not. And it's, it is so much more common than we even realize So don't just don't do it alone. Find someone another big piece I would say is to make sure that you advocate for yourself, regardless of whether it's with your infertility clinic or with testing or your treatments or whatever it might be. Do your research and advocate for yourself because there is IVF is still so new in the world of medicine. It's only like 42 years old, I think, like the oldest IVF baby just turned 40 last year.
0: That's crazy.
1: It's crazy. That's crazy. Fun fact, when they used to do IVF, when it first started out, they actually cut in through the front of your body, like a C-section to get to the ovaries to get the eggs.
0: Oh my gosh. How traumatic.
1: I know. So we've evolved in the last 40 years, that is for sure. But it's still in the world of medicine, it's still so new. And there are so many new tests and procedures and things that are coming up every single day. Like even since we've started, I've heard of new different kinds of testing that I was like, huh, that'd be interesting if we need to do that. Like I could, Mm -hmm. we could do that one. So do the research and actually advocate for yourself because like I said, some clinics will only tell you information on a need to know basis. And there is so much more information out there. And then one big thing that I have like, is like my mantra every single day is that God's plan is so much greater than mine and that even when I don't understand it and I don't get it one day I will. And one day I will understand it. And until that moment, I just have to believe that his plan is just much better than mine and trusting in that because it's hard to trust in a lot of things, but that one I hold very dear and know that through a lot of things in my life that has always been the truth. And I may, in the struggles, I may not have understood it at the time. And then after the fact, I was like, I get it. We talked about this in the beginning. like, mm-hmm. I get it. I understand why I had to go through that at this point. And right now I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I know at some point I will. And so I'm just holding on to, to that understanding that one day it will all make sense.
0: It will. And, and it's also okay to be as humans. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be frustrated when we don't understand. And I know we've talked about this before. It's okay to be a little mad. Yep. It's okay. It's okay to feel like you're getting gypped. And something that I've been reminded of through challenges this year is God can handle it. He can handle it. You can be a little little ticked off. That's all right. He can take it.
1: Yes. I actually had a very good friend tell me that. I was um, telling her that I was really struggling with with my relationship with God. And I was so angry. And I couldn't even, I was like, I don't even want to talk to him. I don't even want to pray. I'm just, I'm so mad. And she's like, that's cool. He can take that, you know? Like, if you just want to sit there and cry and be pissed off at him, he can take that. That's what he's there for. Just let him have it. And I was like, okay. And that was actually kind of like the flipping switch of like being able to dig back into my faith because I was like, all right, he can
0: take it. Mm -hmm. He's as good as they say.
1: Yeah, he is.
0: (laughs) Well, Calista, I can't, there are no words for me to tell you how much I appreciate it. Look, I have a lot of amazing guests come on the show. You're but right. for you to come on and open up and be this vulnerable and share, and I truly believe this episode will have more of a positive, supportive, reaffirming impact on women that listen than anything else. And I'm not just saying that. I don't say that to every guest at the end of it. <laughs> there's going to be power in this episode that there just they're just isn't in others. And it's it's going to be something that really helps the woman who feels alone because I know that there's way too many that aren't talking to anyone, but they are struggling. And you're amazing. (laughs) Y'all, Calista is going to get that sweet baby and she's going to show all of us up. I'm going to be going to her for advice. (laughs) She's just the most incredible person. Please reach out to her if you need support, if you need resources, you have questions, you just don't know what you're getting into. Literally anything. She's incredible. She has a heart of gold. And I promise like I trust her with all of you. So go to her DMs. But my reminder for the mamas listening before you close up this podcast first of all check out the resources in the description check out everything she shared use those to support you as well but second of all i want to remind you just like i always do that you're doing a really amazing job everything that you're putting into this how much you care all the worry all the anxiety the fear you're doing a really amazing job and all we need to remind you calista and i today is hang in there don't do it alone hang in there we'll talk soon If you loved this episode of moms working overtime, do me a favor, share it on social media or send it to another mom to remind her that you love her and that she's doing such an amazing job. There's nothing more incredible that we can do in this community than remind other mamas of their strength. I'm so glad you were here today and just know that I appreciate you an overtime amount.